So, uh, the title of the lesson is Impossible to Please God Without Earnestness. I know it's a long title. I'm going to say it again. Impossible without earnestness. Impossible. You know, you can think, well, what are you talking about? I don't have to earn anything. Well, let's just look at it. Look at Hebrews 11, verse 1. You know, I always loved the analogy that when I was studying the Bible, I believed in Jesus, and I grew up in a church that uh, taught truths, but also I grew up in a church, as I started studying the Bible, that there was contradictions, and I never knew, and I had to become an adult till I really just started to go, what, what, what does it mean for me? And I loved how Wedling said, uh, study, this is serious. Look at the Bible, because it's the answers, the Bible. Bible's everywhere, but you got to go, is it correctly being walked and talked by people trusting in the Spirit? And I remember uh, when someone said, as you're studying what is a Christian, which is a disciple of Jesus, I remember someone saying, the church is right here. And he, and he was touching the Bible, and he was talking about you need, person, a person today needs to fit into the heart and way of life of disciples in the first century. Yes. And the way they live in the heart for God, because that's, that's how we see, because these people were living by faith as well. So look at Hebrews 11, verse uh, 1, and it reads, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were committed for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You know, I took time to read this because I love in verse 1, when you start to really walk with God, you become, you realize that you're fragile and you realize how vulnerable you really are as a human being. I mean, a germ can take you, can kill you. And you realize, man, even loved ones, you, as much as you pray, you have to even trust them as our children get older and leave the house. You know, you, you just can't, even if you want to, you can't prevent or stop, or, or it's not worth having fears like, oh, no, oh, no. You have to surrender to God. Yeah. And when you do that, faith is confidence. Faith is assurance. In verse 1, who doesn't love those words? Faith is confidence. Faith is assurance. Faith is the beginning of a relationship with God, and assurance is the end. Whenever you die, yeah. you're fine. Amen. When you start walking with God by trusting in the words of God, not yourself, and really humbling and wrestling with the word of God, you have confidence in what you hope for. 
Jesus died on the cross for us to be saved, for us to change and have the power to, to really see the destruction of our sin. And not only that, ask God for strength to overcome. And then assurance of what we know to see. We don't see what's coming. As life comes at you, we don't know what's going to happen. But we know God's a good God, so you can be in assurance that you do your best, and it's up to God on the details of what happens, and then we know trials and challenges. So you don't need to worry about that or have anxiety. You should not. You have confidence because you're understanding biblical faith. Biblical faith is the only faith that's true. If you think you believe in God and you're not striving to verify it from the scripture's truths, you may be deceived. Yeah. I would bet you really are because by human beings' natures, we're all sinners. Yeah. And this is what they're commended for. And they step out in faith. You've got to realize faith, it doesn't say uh, in verse 6, without belief, it's impossible to please God. Belief in God is a start. Faith is something you can't grasp without the willingness to humble out and seek God. We all know the word faith. It's a mysterious, powerful word. Like I can say, verse 2, I can say, I mean, in verse uh, 3, it says, By faith we understand the universe was formed at God's command. If you talk to somebody that doesn't have faith, that's not enough. And I don't blame them. Can you expand on that? Look, at by faith we understand the universe was formed at God's command. That means, begin, or whatever he said, universe. But he spoke, it's like, Wee! and even what scientists know, and what we can perceive, and even say about what we see, and what they predict on stars, and planets, and all the things, and just looking up at night yourself, you're in awe. And there's no more explanation. He just said, God, God's not going to explain. God's word is not to explain to you details. God's word is to share and with power for you to come to faith. What he wants you to know is how to have a relationship with him and then how to walk and treat others and have relationships. That's all his agenda was. I love you. I want to know. I want you to know what it will take to have a relationship. I can't be in the presence of sin, so I'm going to have Christ, my son come down as a human being. So you can even have it so much displayed that you're not going to go, I don't get it. It's a big God. How do we know? No, you look at the human being, and then he calls other human beings, and there's models of lifestyle, faith, and he shows examples in the scriptures on how to understand how to think, how to respond, how to change, how to repent, and how to grow with God. Isn't that amazing? But you notice, let's read 6 again. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So if you believe in God, you still may not be pleasing to God because you can believe in God. Intellectual belief won't save you because it does nothing but intellectually believe. You believe, you can see. The Bible says even the demons believe that. In James 2.14, it says, you believe in God, oh good. Even the demons believe in God. So the, there's not any atheists in hell. They're sold out demons. They never doubt. Devils and demon, Devil and demons do not ever doubt. We can struggle with doubt, but they never doubt. They 100% know that God created the universe. Jesus died for us, and they hate it. And their contempt and fury and rage is like a psychopathic Hitler on a billion times. 
if Hitler would have had the bomb when he was going down because he just killed people and mur he was like the vicious and he would just push all the buttons when he was going down instead of killed himself and just destroyed the whole world because he's a sociopath. That's the, I mean, it's way worse. Satan, it's like Satan can kind of know, I guess, but he lives like he doesn't know it's over. He says, you know, it's, you know, he does. He doesn't give up. It's like, think if you knew you lost the game. Are you still going to play with everything you got? Like you, you don't know what the score is? Think if you want to watch a game and you, re, and, you, and you recorded it and then someone says, oh, dude, the Bulls won by three points. Oh, it's a championship. You couldn't be there at work and you, you record it and you go, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. And someone says, hey, dude, man, they won. You're going to go home and watch it, but not as with much zeal, not as, as much fired up because you already know the end. Yeah. Right? So without faith, it's impossible to please God. And then look what it says. Faith is because anyone who comes to him, that, that, that's a decision. You can't just come in and out of church and go, how you doing, how you doing, or go to church once in a while, or just walk around. And because most people, the Bible says, do not think of yourself more higher than you ought in several places. Why is he saying that? It's not just to pinpoint certain people. Human nature is to think subconsciously you're okay with God when you're not. Right. Because it's pride. That's what the devil did. Devil was in heaven, and he even saw heaven and said, nah, my, his pride took over. Imagine, he, didn't, he saw what he had, and he needed more and didn't want to submit. That's crazy. Pride's furious. Anyone who comes to him must believe he exists. You can't be wandering. So if, when you're studying and examining, you have to pray to God to ask him to help you have faith and overcome your doubts because the Bible teaches the truth bottom line. You have to decide to believe. It's a decision. You decide to jump in the pool or not. Yeah. You decide to do something or not. Come Comes to him, and look at this, that, and believes that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That's wrapped in faith is enveloped in belief and then an earnestness of a heart to seek God. And God's very impatient, very patient for all of us. But you must be willing to step out and get over your social stuff and go, is this correct? And like I'm saying, ask us to study the Bible if you're visiting. Or disqualify us. That's what you should do. You're wasting time. See, when I started going to church really serious in, in, in Los Angeles, because I didn't go to church. I went for a long time. I didn't go to church. Yeah. And only when I started to be moved in a, uh, I was being, God was, I, my life, even though I was successful, so to speak, successful, what's that mean? Well, I had a truck, and I had a motorcycle, and I lived in the Hollywood Hills, and I really worked out and had a great tan and was an actor and said, how you doing, and thought I was Mr. How you doing? And I had money. I graduated. I worked for Guns N' Roses, uh, private security. Uh, I was running restaurants. I lived in the hills, man. I was like, I looked good. I even said, come on up and at parties in my house in the hills. And people would go, oh, you live in the hills? Yeah, I'll go up Laurel Canyon. How you doing? Leave all the peasants to go up in the hills. <laughs> yeah, one of the Guns of Roses, Def Mahagan, lived about a mile from me. Now, his house was multi-million. Mine was still a little two-bedroom, but it was still cool to be up there. <laughs> I was emotionally bankrupt. And I realized no matter what was going on, nothing satisfied. I'm glad I finally found that out. I thank God for humbling and be honest. But I didn't know where to go until someone reached out to me. Because yeah. church wasn't working. So when I went to church and they started to show me, I go, 
when they were taking notes, they'd read scripture, and I'd, and I'd look at the guy. There's other brothers in there, and they said, we're going to write these scriptures down so you can learn to go home after we talk about it. So you can just, we want you to examine what the Bible says, not what we're saying. So we'd, he'd say something, and it hit me, and i go, whoa, what? I said, write that down. He goes, I am. Because I was like, write that down. And then I was going home, like, no one ever showed me this, and I probably wasn't paying attention. But it was like shocking. Shocking. And nothing was more important until our next study. And that's what happens. When you're studying the Bible, if nothing is more important, when you start to realize, am I on the right track? Am I right? Or I don't know, but I need to know now. Because I didn't know. And I start thinking, what was I thinking? I wasn't. I was like, wow, thank you for making me realize this. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And a lot of people think in your own idea or what you were, that we thought, if that's you understand the Bible, it says there's no way you can be pleasing God by intellectual belief alone. You must come to him. Well, how do I come to him? God. Walk out and look at the sky. Thank God he sent down Jesus. Because it's like, what do you do next? Yeah. Go out and look at the mountains. And I know you're up there. Everybody can kind of figure it out. Themselves. No, you got to go, whoa. Let's look at John 1, 35. Impossible without earnestness. This is the earnestness. You know what? If you do something earnestly, you know what that means without even explaining it. Anything in your life that you've done or that you earnestly do, it's obvious there's a second step in your step. Not because someone's pushing you. you got to go do this. You're doing it. So what does it mean? Point number one. Earnestly seeking him means follow Jesus. We all know it. There's wristbands. There's religious people. There's what would Jesus do? And we all intellectually go, I'm, feeling, I'm following Jesus. But you don't really know till you allow yourself to humble out and go, do I look like any of these people that call themselves disciples? Am I fitting in the form of walking with God? Let's look at verse 35. The next day, John was there again with his two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, uh, which means teacher, where are you staying? Now, I don't know if they really cared about that, but I think they were stopping their tracks. Because God ain't playing. He loves you, but when you start to follow him, he's like, what? he's going to draw your hat and refine you. He's going to search. You can't, he's going to call you to understand you need to want nothing more than getting right with me and following me and living for me, and I'm going to give your life back, and I love you. Now, that's a big statement. That means you have to, that's, that's what it means to learn to earnestly seek him. Because who's going to tell you that? Not me. But if you want answers from God, you're going to do it. So when they said Lamb of God, you have to understand some of us now, Gentile-wise, coming to the scriptures, you may understand that saying, but that, that you got to get hit by the cross. Yeah. you got to be moved divinely. See, to earnestly seek God, you must divinely pray for God to, make, to allow you to want to do that. You have to ask God. But the Lamb of God from the Old Testament was many, many times the prophecies that God was going to send a Savior, a Messiah. They realized, whoa! John said, look, the Lamb of God, he knew. Now, these two disciples went, they're kind of seeking. They went, 
they heard him say it, and they started to follow Jesus. And Jesus turned around and said, what do you want? Now, we know they didn't told, they're, they're actually starting to seek, but now they're stopped with the first question. Because they said, Rabbi, which means not God Almighty, it means teacher. So I think they weren't quite totally sure. They just respected him as a, as a man that may be another man like the Pharisees, like, you, like Rabbi. So, they, which means teacher. And he says, where are you staying? He says, come. He replied, and you'll see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. See, now, when you become a disciple of Jesus, you don't just go through a religious class. If, you, if someone's visiting here, hey, I want to, how do I get ready? I'm not going to bring you in the back room or have a little thing and you know, give you a couple words to say and hit you on your way. That's lies and wrong doctrine. It's not an emotional thing. It's conviction, but you must not just learn intellectual. You're learning the, the transformation of your heart, like Wedley said. Yeah. It's transformation, and God's got to do that. You've you got to be willing to seek him with all your heart to do it. Yeah. Because, look, Jesus pulled them in. The greatest example was he didn't just give them information. He spent time with them. They're in his life. Disciples pull people in. Disciples make disciples. And if all Jesus, by your love, people will know you're my disciples. So you have truth, but, but you insert your life. He said, come and see. He could have turned right around and just quoted uh, Old Testament. He says, listen, man, come and see. Now imagine if you were following, you think, think if you thought it was Jesus, the, like the Savior of the world, and you start going, I'd look into it too, like, Wow. And then Zenki's turned around and looked at you and said, what do you want? I think they don't, I don't know. I can't, I just think, I don't know. If, but they really, they, they, they just were like, they think they were stuck and they had to throw something out. Like, where are you staying? I don't think they really cared, like, where are you staying? I think they were just stopping their tracks, shocked. And see, that's what God does. He gets up close and personal when you earnestly seek him. See, it's not religious. It's not walking around with your own confidence and quoting a couple of scriptures. You've got to be in context with the heart of the spirit of God moving your heart changing you to walk and live different not religious we got enough of that religion's not changing the world it's more damaging it's more divisive it's ridiculous so looks like in verse 40 Andrew Simon Peter's brother was one of the two who heard what John had said and who followed Jesus. First thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon and told him, hey, we found the Messiah. That is the Christ, that's Savior. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which means little rock, little pebble. Which is translated to Peter, but it means like little rock, strong, solid, emotionally. That's what he meant. But he wasn't. Simon was an emotional mess because you even look after he started following him. He'd blow it. He'd put his foot in his mouth. He abandoned Jesus. He made a lot of mistakes. But what the key is, is he never quit. Even when he betrayed Jesus, he stayed in the game. He was struggling. I don't know what happened for three days, but when Jesus went back to restore him, he was with disciples fishing. So you have to realize he was with the relationship. He learned that relationships with God is first, and then relationships with one another is God's designed. Family of God, like Addison said. I just met Addison last week and then met her husband. And I don't need to know much more, except she's a disciple in the San Francisco church. Why? It's not like putting down different churches. Paul said we teach the same thing everywhere in every church. And I've been in the church for 28 years. And if they start teaching anything beyond the Bible, I'm going to have an issue. 
I don't want traditions that confuse. I don't want anything that's thrown in that makes me go, what's the Lutherans do? What's the Catholics do? What's the Methodists do? What's the Mormons do? What's the Catholics do? They all believe in Jesus. No offense to anybody, but why aren't they all completely unified? That's, and I'm, not, I'm just saying, I needed to figure that out, not to, not to look down on anybody. But i got to go, what is the real Jesus, and why are we all, like, kind of together, but then we get together, and we start, oh, it's ridiculous. Let's just forget about where we said, where does it say in the Bible? If it doesn't, then leave if they're teaching wrong. Or go to the minister or the priest or whatever and go, why are we doing this? And they'll be going, ah. And then they'll give you a long song and dance with a theological lesson that's not to stop. What's it say in the Bible? I've done that before. Even with repent, Jesus replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and all people who call on his name. That means promise. It's still open. And I've sat down with actually ministers of churches and said, listen, I just want to understand. And they would read that scripture, verse 38, and they'd go on and on. I stop. I don't mean to interrupt you, but don't, that's just, don't, what are you doing? You're elaborating and what, you're changing this. Stay in the scripture and don't give me any theology mumbo jumbo. That's not in the scripture. Don't elaborate. It doesn't sound better if you sound educated. Let's just go by the scripture and say, he says, repent and be baptized every one of you, not some of you. It's not a symbol of an outward sign of an inward heart. Where is that in the Bible? Made up. Can't find it anywhere. Hopefully some of you are being bothered. Because I realize if I don't preach hard enough, either you come up and go, show me that. And you can even be ticked off and say, show me that. You can go like this. Just be calm. Don't punch me. Because it's not about my church. You show me something wrong, I'll do it. If it's biblical. You have to go, show me it. Don't walk out and go, you don't even know. Just because you don't like being told something that you thought all your life. Well, then find out what I'm th- saying. Let's talk about it because you'll find out. Either you're going to throw the Bible in the trash or you're going to admit you're wrong if you're wrong. Or if you find something that I'm wrong with, then I will have to say, if I don't be humble and go, whoa, then there's a problem with me. Because if you're prideful or defensive against the Bible, then you have a problem no matter who you are. And God wants you to wrestle, but then just try to surrender and go, what's in here? See what's... So let's look at uh, verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Oh, by the way, when he said, you're Simon, son of John, you'll be called Cephas. It's like me going up to one of you or Jesus come up to me going, you're an emotional, outbursting, controlled by your emotions person. Your name's Chris, but later I'm going to call you uh, Joey. <laughs> Imagine someone coming up and going, I'm changing your name. Hi, how you doing? I'm Jesus, son of God. Justin, you're no longer Justin. I'm going to call you Frank. You will be Frank. You know, no one, obviously, if it, if it was a human being, everything Jesus does, we'd go, that's insulting. No human being would do that. You'd be insulted. Either you're insulted and you leave, or you go, this must be the son of God. How could he say things like that? Only God can say that because you're understanding, whoa, I'm going to trust. Changing names on the spot. Because he saw vision. He said, you're, you're going to change if you trust and follow me. What? Faith, possible without faith to please God. Because anyone who must, everyone must believe he exists and earnestly seek him. He rewards those who are seek him. So Peter started to follow. Didn't understand totally like he's going to be transformed. He went to denying, putting his foot in the mouth, emotional, 
to repentance, being restored, and being one of the most bold, courageous church leaders that died crucified upside down. You see the transformation? He actually became what Jesus said you're going to be if you, hang, if you hang in there. And that's what he sees with everybody. When you come in, he says, man, we purposely had you born and come into the world who you are, and I love you. That's what he's saying to us. But without me and you learning to trust me, you're never going to see who I designed you to be. And it won't work on your own. You may be a powerful person, but you're going to run over people. You may be the best in whatever you do, but you won't be approved by me because in the world you may be approved. But success and strength and no fear can push and go a long way. But love is the most important thing. Like if you're the CEO of a company, you 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 empty the trash when it's when it's full. You don't you don't look around and go who did it? you just empty it and the people are going is that the CEO of the trash yeah because he just saw it needs to be done. Something breaks and you're in the restaurant you're managing they're really busy you don't wait for the bus boy hey table two I know you're really busy and you just stand there you're the manager you put the menus down or whatever and you do it. Yeah. See that's the heart of God. That's the heart of God. Even though God elates you up. Addison elated you. If he blesses you, God is a generous God. So if he blesses you, it's maturity. Because now you got to know how to handle it. You should be scared if you're raising up the ladder and you're getting more stuff. Not scared in a good way. Fear of the Lord. Go, how do I handle this? Because the devil's going to go, I'll show you how. And there's nothing wrong with being rich or successful. But there's a temptation in your heart. Let's look in verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathaniel. And uh, told him, we've found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about the prophets, about, about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So he breaks it down, verifying to these men that had a background Jewish, like, hey, they're not just being blind. They're going, hey, this is the one. Now you need to check. That, that's what they need to do. Jesus is like, follow me. I'm not just telling you to go believe. He had them live with them and go, I am from God. And he says... And when, when they said that, we found the one that the prophets were about, what wrote about. So that's a stamp, like the word of God says this. And he just says, Nazareth, verse 46, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked, come and see, said Philip. There's the earnestly seek again. See, believe intellectually, that was nice. You leave, like, if I went to church when I was asked to come in 93, something hit me like a ton of bricks. My friend was inviting me. I, I worked really late. I ran restaurant. I had two. I, had, I also was security, like I said, for uh, one of the members of a rock and roll band. And my lifestyle was just a mess. Even though I, I, was, I never had a difference. I was working. My whole life was working and partying all together. And I wouldn't get home till 5 in the morning on sometimes because I'd be working until 3. But, you know, I was also partying. So I, he was inviting me, and he kept saying And I remember that I'd hear that back then we had answering machines back in the day. <laughs> See, it's scary. When you get older, it's kind of fun. I can now say things that people are going, what is that? You had an answering machine. No cell phones back then. Yeah. And you had to practice on it. Uh, this is, you, you, remember how many times you, you, no one knew what to do because they never did that. The first time you're doing a voicemail, you never did it. It's like this, and you hear your voice, and it's almost like everybody's scared when you hear your voice. You say, I, I hate hearing myself. But I said, you know, it's Chris, and now remember I'd hear it on Sundays. We went to church in the morning, and it'd be like, 9.30, hey, dude, looking forward to seeing you because I said I want to come. I'm going to come. And I put the pillow over my head just feeling like, oh. the part I hated is I told them I was going to come, and I just kept blowing it off, and I just, you know, I heard the answer machine in the kitchen. I was like, oh. and I'd sleep, and then I'd see him again, and I, I'm sorry, bro. 
it wasn't even about God at that time. It was like, it was something saying, just, I hate being a flake. And I said, keep asking me. And he said, no, no problem. And he was just loving me because I didn't even understand the full weight of what was going to happen because I just thought, church, I need help. I need help. I, I'm, I'm not living right. I, I know the Jesus, I pray, but I'm just, I'm just helpless. I'm in, a, I'm in a hole. I'm in this, this lifestyle that I can't get out of. I don't know what to do. I didn't know what. So I just was going to go. Just I thought, you know, but then, you know, he kept trying, and I finally went. Amen. That's what it takes here. Come follow me. you got to take steps out and go, is this the truth, or is it not, and disqualify it. If it's not, and leave, don't waste your time sitting in a group of people that aren't following the Bible correctly. Yeah. And go find it. That's what God's saying today. But look, he says, Nazareth, can anything good come to Nazareth? Nathaniel asked, come and see, said Philip. So he doesn't argue with him. No, this is the Bible. This is the truth. This is where... No, he said, just come and see, man. If you're not open to come and see, it doesn't matter. I, I'm not going to go scripture for scripture. If you're not open to investigate, you're not open. You aren't. I mean, we're not, I'm not going to go, what's up? People are going to argue scriptures now. You meet people. What your church says, let's just get together. I mean, we can go tit for tat. It's just intellectual stuff. Let's just see if you're interested. I can share. It's changed my life. It's not, it's like, it's, it's words of God, but I can tell you what the cross has done for me and how I continue to, to grow and earnestly get rewards from God. Not only blessings for efforts, but my heart, the rewards of changing and being able to love deeper and just becoming less of Chris Klopek and more with Jesus in Chris Klopek. And that's what I want to do. So then, when 47, verse 47, Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, and he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before the Philip called you. That shocked him, I'm sure. He's like going, how do you know me? You know, it's probably no respect. He comes up to the Son of God Almighty. Created, you know me. You know, Jesus is still cool. Ah. Jesus just, Jesus, I love Jesus. I, loved, I don't know his demeanor, but he says, here is a true Israelite. And everybody's watching. And I think he was complimenting him in a way that he was still wrong. But he was saying, at least you're straight up ugly real. Actually, actually rude real. I appreciate it. But somebody comes at me first and they're disrespectful. I don't take it personally. Let's get into it. And usually if they see God and start to do it, they'll go, bro, I'm sorry. I was disrespectful. Not because I'm the miserable. They just realize that they came in nothing to lose. And like, what do you got? Who are you? But then I realized it doesn't matter. Unless they're open to hearing the word of God and listening and being touched, then they'll start to be changed in the heart and everything. So he goes, you, and, and then I love how Jesus calls him out, but he goes, because then he says in verse 49, then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, teacher. But then he confirms, you are the son of God. So now it's not just teacher, it's son of God. You are the king of Israel. Now, Jesus didn't, Jesus didn't take that flattery either, people-pleasing. I love how this answer is. He's not trying to be mean. He says, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see even greater things. He, he then added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God descending, ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So either you dismiss that and go, he's a loony bin, or you really start to follow Jesus. You can't just go, oh, oh, and then just walk away and think you have your own vision of Jesus. You need to submit to God's word, not need to. I'm not saying you need to do anything. I'm saying God is saying it's impossible without faith to please God. It's impossible. Now, what is faith? Sometimes people don't understand true faith. Well, it says you got to believe in what you don't see and hope and be certain what, you, what you're sure of. But it also says 
that now when you're stepping out to have faith, you must step out. How do I step out and understand the vast, huge universe of God in his word? But now he says, well, I'm going to model it as a human being. Now there's a way of life. And you notice how he's rallying, not individuals. It's not an individual thing. All, there's a collectiveness of the church, disciples. There's never lone disciples. Yes, you live your life and go in and out of work. But the family of God is meant to be loving one another and being used to help people see the love. And there's a collectiveness, not independent religious guy. And he says, man, I, I, he's saying, you're going to see other things. You know, God Almighty he's saying, I have the door to heaven. I have, the, I have the divine connection. I'm here to help you connect to God Almighty. Amen. But, you know, he calls them out. Don't, you know, wow. Praise God. No, don't be, don't, we're going to have to work on you, bro. I know you're fired up because I told you I saw you. And I, I think anybody would be shocked. But we got to get deeper now. Because, you know, you need to, you need to change. Amen. Don't be surly anymore. You need to grow. Nazareth. Now, this is what we can do with church. Church! Does anything good come from church if you're invited? Or that church. I read about that church by some disgruntled, really bitter person. Because anybody who writes on the computer, did you notice you can go on social media and if you write because it's all in type form, people actually, it has, it has weight subconsciously. Whoa, I heard this church. Well, who wrote about it? Disgruntled, bitter person. Just like when I read reviews on a car or something, I can't take them serious because it's like no one's perfect. So you see a bunch of reviews on a car and some people say, don't ever go there. The, the person was terrible with me and I came, I got it and the, the, this broke down and the service was terrible. Okay, yeah, bad day. Employees aren't doing well, bad service. And maybe the car had a charm, but what's the overall? You got to go back to the truth of God. So if you're turd, deterred by people who persecute God's church, you should go, that should invite you more. Right. If someone talks to me and goes, don't do it, don't do it, I, I go do it. <laughs> I don't do it blindly, but I'm, I just don't buy that junk on anything. Yeah. I don't listen to people. I verify. I listen to what they say. I listen to pro and con, and then I go, I'm going to check for myself. Right. Just yeah. like they said, come and see. Yes. If you're looking at people... You're never going to find the truth. you got to look at imperfect people who are humble and have the fruit, starting to have the fruit of Jesus and God Almighty as they're transforming and they're becoming humble and striving to learn and they don't have it down. But there's a pattern of life of truth they've now humbled to follow by earnestly seeking him. Not once, consistently learning in your relationship. You guys with me? So if God came into your room tonight and wanted to write the summation of what he thinks about your life so far. What would he write? Wow. Turn your Bibles to Daniel 5.1. Mm. Awesome, awesome. Point number one, two, excuse me, two. What would God write on your wall? Now, this is a hard one because if you don't want to hear it, and you don't, if you don't want to hear what the word's saying, it's going to aggravate you and cause you to be angry and mad and closed. Yeah. That's what happens. Being closed down doesn't help anything for you. No matter what he says, you have free choice. God doesn't do anything, and no one by any means can do anything except share the truth and, and touch God. Right. Follow God. Look in verse 1. King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles. Let me break this down. This is the grandson of King Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar actually got humbled to the point where he said, now I know there's a God. 
in heaven, the God of Israel. And he did transform, but he did not transform his people. And after he died, they all went back to completely worshiping idols. So now he's throwing a great banquet for nobles, uh, for thousands of his nobles, thousands of his nobles in a great party. It's like a sinful GLC. It's like a demonic. It's like the demons. It's like the demons having a leadership conference party, the great banquet. Thousands of nobles that drank wine with him. While Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring the gold and the silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar's father had taken from the temple in Jerusalem so that the king and his nobles, his wives, his concubines might drink from them. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem because God allowed Jerusalem to be conquered and overthrown because of the sin and rebellion and, and unrepented hearts of his people. But it's still God's. And this was more of a contempt. He was going, I got this. There's no God. Where's your God? Go get the stuff from the temple and bring it in. And basically he was saying, ha, we're partying. You're not doing nothing. Let's keep reading. Verse 3. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple in Jerusalem. And the king and his nobles and his wives concubines drank for them. And they drank the wine and they praised the gods of gold, silver, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Now, suddenly, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand, with no arm, by the way, as it wrote. His face turned pale, and he was so frightened that his legs became weak and his knees were knocking. I don't think I could even, I don't think the best actor could recreate that. Knocking the knees and being believable. It would almost be over-exaggerated, but he was in shock. If someone said, be so afraid as a scene of actor, wobble your knees, it would be like, he's overdoing it. You could scream. But this is like his face turned pale. This is what happens when we stand in the presence of God without being repentant. See, coming to God and being able to be in the presence of God is following Jesus earnestly, seeking him, and understand you need to be forgiven from your sins. You need to have your heart changed. Repent means, what does it mean to change my heart, God? Not just of sin, but to turn and follow and live for Jesus, not as part of him, but now everything I do is a platform, and God is first. That causes inconvenience and regrouping your life, not because someone tells you to, because you see the truth of God's almighty treasure. Yeah. And see, they all saw the treasure of what the world offers us today. It's not when you see gold and silver, you think, oh, no. No, it's just, it's just monetary stuff. doesn't matter if you're rich or poor here. It doesn't matter where you're at, middle class. It's most people look at that, the almighty dollar, and, and living for that. And they don't even realize when they get old or someone, even someone old in your life is dying, you're like, even though they were a good person or whatnot, what did they leave? Did they leave a legacy to say, follow God? And I hope you saw me committed to God, not as a religious legalist person, but I hope you saw me growing in these things and what I was instilling, and I'm trying to help you see the truth. Yeah. Not what you did for a living and were noble and you supported your family. Those are all noble. But what's the real message? Right. Don't miss it. Come on. Look in verse 6 again. His face turned pale. And he was frightened that his legs, so frightened that his legs became weak and his knees started knocking. Point number two, fearing God is the true treasure. Point number three, fearing God is the true treasure. Look in uh, Isaiah 33. See, we get always messed up about the fear of the Lord. And I loved, uh, Wedley, you're, you're doing all my heavy lifting. Thank you. 
she said, you know, growing up, she was instilled to be afraid of God. And, and, and that's, that's a way some of us, that, that's Satan working on that. Because he doesn't want us to look, oh, no, I'm going, if I don't do this, you know, it's, I, I, you have to be a f- terror. Like it's a prison guard. If you step out of line, you're going to get whacked with a club. Yeah. No. You've got to understand the beauty of fearing God is wrapped in earnestly seeking God. Willing to realize there's a creator that's not you. And you're willingly understanding that it is a decision to submit to God because you trust but it, you're going to not you're going to trust no matter what as you're walking and that's faith now look in verse look at Isaiah verse 33 he will be the sure foundation 33 6 chapter 36 Isaiah chapter 36 verse 6 excuse me Isaiah chapter 33 verse 6 he will be the sure foundation for your times a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge the fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. Opens it up. The key is an it'll open. Faith earnestly seeking God, you learn with wisdom from God when you start to earn, earnestly seek him and the knowledge of the scriptures, the truth is not just facts. The spirit of God is running the whole world and overseeing the word. When you look at the word of God with an open heart, you start to be able to have a mustard seed of faith, which you don't know why you want to come back, but you need to know more. And all of a sudden you're going, I want to study again. There's something in God that's yearning you. What's important, starting to become like, this is important. I want to figure this out. Yeah. Versus, eh, maybe we can get together next time. I'm busy. Three weeks from now. Let me see. see, you're not getting it. No one's down on you, but you're not, you just, and that's fine. Everybody gets a different, but when your eyes are open, no one's going to like manufacture you or say, we need to study. You're going to go, I need to. I'm busy, but I I want to do this again. Look at this. The the sure foundation for your times is a store, a rich store of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. And then it says, wraps it up, the fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. The Lord is constant in our lives and constantly overseeing. And what's he provide? Salvation. Everybody, God, Jesus so loved the world, so you have to understand why did he die? That's a serious thing for someone to come down and get beat to death and hang on a cross because we all can go, I can't imagine someone doing that. Yeah. Well, that's going to endear us because we realize someone doing that for you, you would never forget. But it's the connection of the power of the divine God being moved by the love. See, wisdom and knowledge should be understood as great or superior wisdom, not human wisdom. See, you have, to, you have to realize to get wisdom, you have to pray and read and then read and pray and go, help me. Because the wisdom will come off the scriptures and give you d- decisions that you'll make that please God still, but even help you make decisions in your life. All of this is available to those who fear the Lord. Who allow the fear of the Lord to be the foundation of anchor in their life that what that will give balance to the individual person as he relates both to this world and God because being in the world hence we're, 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 we're in the world but we're not of the world see you're, when you're baptized into Christ you're baptized into the body which is the church biblically which is a family it's not just an organization now you're in the world, but you're no longer of it because your mind and heart by seeking God are seeing 
and you're allowing your mind to be influenced by God and spirit with the scriptures as the map and the guide for your life as you're with one another and people continuing to grow in their faith, helping each other. Look in Hebrews 9.27. You guys with me? In Hebrews 9.27, it says, Just as people are destined to die once, and after that face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. See, you're not waiting for him if you're not earnestly seeking him and living for him. It's like it pops, like tomorrow or tonight. God says, I, don't, I can't explain it, but it just makes you go, the fear of the Lord is not to go, i got to do this or I'm in trouble. No, it's either you want to be with God or with sin. And God can't be with sin, so you make your decision. God's saying, I'm going to keep you alive and keep giving you many times. Because even the, the lifespan, you have a lot of mercy. But I wouldn't say, well, I'm going to do it later. I know it's right, but it's just not for me now. you got to be real. Be the true Israelite. But then have someone say, that's, I appreciate you being straight up, but that's what the Bible says. You, you need, I, I wouldn't go with that. Because basically you're saying, God, you wait. But see, you got to grapple with verse 27. Just as people are destined to die once. We all believe that intellectually, but and after that, face judgment. Everybody you loved and died. Casket, funeral, whatever. It's, we're not the judge. But understand, they're facing judgment, just like you will. Every single person is not just flying in. They're facing judgment. Christians as well. And if you're in Christ, earnestly seeking him, Humble to his words, you're strong in the grace. But you're going to face judgment. It says that, all people. And it says, and why we know the Christians are involved too, because he says he'll appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Or those who unlock the treasure of the true secret of being humble and following God and fearing God. The fear of God is the key that opens up to the submission and going, I know you got my life. And I'm living for you. And he even says, I'm going to reward you in life. He wants to bless your families and your children and things like that. But hardships come, and there's no guarantee. So let's go back to Daniel and come in for a landing. Let's go back and see what Mr. Belchar is doing. Daniel chapter 5, verse 7. Yeah, what was written on the wall? That's frightening. Remember I said, what would God say? What would he write on your Y wall? I can tell you right now before we get into this, if after I've learned when I went up to 31, if he would have wrote on my wall, it would not have been good. I would, he, wouldn't, he would have said, you're, you're, you're not, you're, you're not going to make it, bro. You're not, go, you're not right. You die, you're, you're going to hell. Yeah. I say that after I studied the Bible and took responsibility and understood really where I was. God was always offering, but I never earnestly sought him. Yeah. And I was shocked. Now I'm like, wow. Yeah. Woo! Come on. Look in verse 7. The king summoned the enchanters, the astrologers, the diviners. Doesn't the world summon all those today? Fortune tellers, people, advice, tell me what you think. Even go to church, what do you think? And people are just, well, you're itching ears. It's like, you go to Christian, oh, you don't have to do that, bro. God loves everybody. Just do your best and, you know, whatever, you know, and they throw out a scripture. You don't, they don't even know, and their life's worse than yours. They're, like, sending it up. They're talking womanizing. They're racist. They're impure. They're at clubs, and you're like, I'm a Christian, then you got to think someone's a real, like, you're, what are we doing? We're slapping God in the face. Yes. Either I'm going to be all in once I start to realize what the truth is, or I'm going to throw the Bible out and be all out and all in, in the worst of the worst. I'm going to be at the demons. Wow. I'll believe there's a God, but I'm living it up. And no one's telling me what to do. In sin-wise, I humbled my sinful nature. 
And in verse 7, it says that he chanted the chanters, the astrologers, the diviners, and then he said to these wise men of Babylon. See, they were even considered wise in the world, Babylon. Whoever reads this writing and tells me what it means will be clothed with purple, have a gold chain placed around his neck, and will be made third highest rule in the kingdom. What that meant is he was the king. He had a son, so honestly his son would be second. But that was a huge deal. It'd be third. It's like a huge, like you got everything. And he says here, then all the king's wise men came in, and they could not read, verse 8, the writing on the wall, the king, uh, tell the king what it meant. So King Belzebub became more terrified, and his face grew more pale. His nobles were baffled. The queen, hearing the voices of the king and his nobles, came in the banquet hall. May the king live forever. She's nervous. She's paranoid. And she sees there's a problem, and she still wants, you know, she wants the gravy. She get, get behind my son. Don't be alarmed. Don't look pale. There is a man in the kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. See, they don't even quite know what they're talking about, holy gods. But they just said this guy has been powerful. And in the time of your father, he was found to have insight, intelligence, and wisdom like that of the gods. Your father, the king Nebuchadnezzar, appointed him chief of the musicians, chanters, astrologers, diviners. And he did this because Daniel, whom the king called Belshazzar, was found to have been keen in mind and knowledge and understanding and also the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel and he will tell you what the writing means. Now I have heard that you are able to give interpretations and to solve difficult problems. If you read this writing on the wall and tell me what it means, you'll be clothed with purple and I'll give you the gold chains and placed around your neck and you will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom then daniel answered the king you may, you may keep the gifts for yourself and uh give your reward to someone else nevertheless i will read the writing for a while that is so powerful that dude has so much freedom there's not a hold on him period it's not like he's being rude he just goes nothing much I, I unlocked the treasure i know what it is even though i'm in captivity that's that's an awe i'm like he's free yes. and then he says here your majesty Verse 18, the Most High gave your father Nebuchadnezzar sovereignty and greatness and glory and splendor. Because of the high position he gave him, all nations and peoples of every language dreaded and feared him. Those the king wanted to put to death, he put to death. Those he wanted to spare, he spared. Those he wanted to promote, he promoted. And those he humbled, wanted to humble, he humbled. But when his heart became arrogant and hardened with pride, he was disposed from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven away from the people and given a mind of an animal. He lived with the wild donkeys and ate grass like the ox and his body was drenched with dew of heaven until he acknowledged that the most high is sovereign over all kingdoms of earth and sets over them anyone he wishes i would say in our vernacular that's like a nervous breakdown yeah. mostly nervous breakdown and god just don't say this god can take your mind take your health do whatever he wants look at verse 22 because you Belteshazzar, his son have not humbled yourself Though you knew all this, meaning you saw me work powerfully and you still threw it out when you got in control. Instead, you've set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You have the goblets from his temple brought to you. And you and your nobles and your wives, your concubines, drank wine for them. You praise the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. But you did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life. And all your ways. Oh my gosh. 
Therefore, he sent, the, he sent the hand that wrote the inscription. This is the inscription that was written. Mene, mene, tekel, parson. Here's what the words mean. Many. God has numbered your days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel. You have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. See, man is destined to die once and after that face judgment. You're going to be weighed. I'm going to be weighed unless we're in Christ in the blood of Jesus. Not just by intellectual belief. Right. Look what it says here. And then tackle, and then it says, Paris, your kingdom is divided and will be given to the Medes and the Persians. Then the Belsar, then at Belsar's can, Daniel was clothed in purple, gold chain, placed around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler. You notice how when you don't give, when you give it up and you're not striving to put money or position or things worse, it just comes around the back end. Because yep. Daniel said, I don't want it, and y'all got it. And he, then he used it for God as a platform. You see, when you want it to, when you want it more than God, you don't get it because God will, it'll hurt you. Yeah. It's powerful, isn't it? Yeah. And then it says that very night, Belshazzar, verse thirty, and the king of Babylon was slain, and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of sixty-two. I'm not going to go into too much, but that fortress was under the Euphrates River, and they had fortified the wall so thick. If you read the history about that, that you couldn't get in, and they had like twenty years of supplies, and the supplies could come onto the river. So they always could say fortified. No one could get in. That's why their security was so much in self and power. Wow. And that's why when God says, you, you think you got this going on, just like countries can crumble. No one's on top. Yeah. And he destroyed it. Why? Because it's not giving glory to me. Now, we have to look at that in our own lives and go, is your life going to be destroyed? Or is it going to be enriched because you're going to not respond like Belteshar, prideful and not humble, to God's words. You need to live for God and not this world. Let's just go back to the last scripture about the wisdom. And I want to encourage people to understand. Sometimes we're, we're, we're believed to not understand. If you're a true disciple and you're baptized into Christ, by the way, the Bible explains, and you really had the faith, you get the Holy Spirit only then. Holy Spirit is thrown around like it's a cheap cloth. And you have to go to it and throw it on. No one has the spirit of God in them. The spirit of God is everywhere. But no one has the Holy Spirit in them unless they understand by faith the way the scriptures teach, period. And then you can have wisdom and insight because you're humble. See, a prideful disciple, a prideful person can't be a disciple or there's faking. They go in the water. Even if you play people, there's, God's not going to bust that heart. It's a divine moment. It's not, it's not like a thing. you got to get your heart ready and change. For the miracle. Look in verse 1 Corinthians 2.6. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. See, the wisdom of the world is from the, the, the governments, the, the news organizations, the philosophies. You know, it's like it, 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 the answers that instead of uh, when guns, it's like have gun control instead of teaching love one another. Uh, uh, all the pregnancies, unwanted, and abortions. Why don't we just teach the word? No one would do that because they're going to get persecuted. Be pure. Be absolutely pure. Abstain. Trust God's plan. It's just unheard of. Yeah. And see, verse 7, no, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and God that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would have not have crucified the Lord of glory. See, when you come to your senses, we were all, we're, we, I was crucifying Jesus all the way up until I really understood and humbled myself. Even though I knew it happened, it, didn't, it was intellectual. I, I didn't understand. It didn't change me. Right. 
And then it says in verse 9, however, it is written, with no eye, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. The Bible says, if you love me, you obey him. These are the things God has revealed to us. He's talking to the Corinthian church. He's talking to people, disciples, baptized churches, yeah. people, disciples, because it goes in context. The person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they're discerned only through the spirit. The person that with the spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of Christ? The mind of the Lord, so as to instruct him. Look at, but we have the mind of Christ. It's not to be cocky, it's to be humble. The Bible says seek advice, but by the scriptures, and if you live that life and continue to do it, you're going to learn to go, God, help me understand what I should do in this situation. And why there's a lot of disputable times, no one tells me what to do. With the scriptures, you have to understand you're going to learn that the spirit is in you. Some of you, us still need to go, eh. No, you got you, you to realize what's going on, and you pray, and you know, it's not an emotional thing. And, you, and especially if you're saying anything contrary to the Bible, that's not the spirit of God. That's, yeah. that's a demonic, prideful you. That's you. Yeah. Your spirit in there fighting with it. See, guys, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about myself and many people that, that didn't know, that thought they know the truth. He says, you people, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are hard from me. You worship me in vain. Your teachings are but human rules. You've now, you, you have let go of the commands of God and are, not, and are holding on to human traditions. That's all it is if you're not really walking with the true God. We are a church that fits in the Bible. We, we are not perfect. We are humble. But no one that's become a true disciple, we're all learning, but we honor the way of life, the scriptures. Amen. If I've done anything except stir your mind to, to driving deeper to God or wanting to ask questions or study the Bible or all three, then I've failed. I am nothing. I am nothing, nothing. I have a long way to go. I'm just a servant of God trying to preach to help people reiterate the word. So, it's impossible for you to please God unless you have the earnest faith to seek him, earnestly seek him, not just, uh, no, earnestly seek him. And no one can force you. you got to want to. That's you and God going to help. That's God moving you to want to. And then you got to deny yourself and go, I know what's right because your feelings and your sinful nature is always going to be there. But you got it. And now you learn to put things aside because you want to and start to recategorize and organize your pattern of life because Jesus is Lord. And to God be the glory. Yeah.